This is the Lightning Junkies Podcast with your host, Chaz Kryptos. On this episode of the podcast, I have Rui Gomez from OpenNode and Laps. OpenNode is a Bitcoin-only payment processor that accepts both on-chain Bitcoin payments and off-chain Bitcoin payments on the Lightning Network. This is the fifth episode of the Lightning Junkies podcast, and on this episode, we talk about quite a bit. It actually became the longest episode of the podcast I've ever recorded. We talk about Lightning Spin, Open Node, Lapse, reasons to be skeptical of the Lightning Network, and much more. This is just a reminder that this podcast has no sponsors. I rely on my listeners to fund this podcast as much as possible. You can find the crowdfund link, the link to tipping.me, and the link to bottle.li in the show notes. If any of this content is up your alley, please consider chipping in to the links previously mentioned. I would really appreciate it. Let's go ahead and jump into the fifth episode of the Lightning Junkies podcast already in progress. I would like to go ahead and welcome Rui to the Lightning Junkies podcast. How are you doing today? Doing good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, you know, I I was just kind of curious, uh, how did you know, what's your background kind of before you got into Bitcoin? Um, so I'm a software engineer by trade. I've been working at a, a number of startups for the past five years or so. And I've worked all over the place on big startups, small startups. And when OpenNode invited me to uh, help them with their MVP, I was really a Bitcoin newbie. I didn't know much about it. Uh, and I just dove right in into the Bitcoin rabbit hole. And uh, it all started from there. But uh, yeah, my I guess my background is just a, a regular computer scientist. Uh, and I just recently dove in in Bitcoin. Okay. What did your entry to Bitcoin look like? It was uh, very hectic. It was very hard to absorb all that information all at once. Um, so the OpenNode team, uh, a lot of our team members have been in Bitcoin for, for quite a while. So they're kind of veterans in the scene. Uh, and for me to even understand all the names of people uh, they were constantly mentioning and uh, all the concepts that they were uh, throwing around all the time, just for me to get that level of just grasping uh, or just barely scratching the surface of what there is to understand about Bitcoin, uh, that was very, very challenging. Um, but fortunately, there's a lot of information out there right now and a lot of books, podcasts, and uh, being on Twitter helped a lot. So it was uh, very exic, but definitely, I would say, um, only guessing, right? But uh, probably a lot easier than getting in uh, in the early days where uh, information was much more scarce entering Bitcoin nowadays just requires you to be a little bit willing to really uh, dive in and actually take your time to really invest in learning. Uh, and if you do that, then you, it's not that hard. Uh, it's just time consuming and uh, you have to learn all, all of the things. Would you say that you were uh, kind of sucked down the rabbit hole, as a lot of people like to say? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, in the beginning, I was just uh, this was just another job for me, so I didn't think much about the whole Bitcoin thing. Obviously, I found it interesting, uh, but uh, I didn't. I never thought that would get so far down the Bitcoin rabbit hole and going to all these conferences and consuming all this content. So it was definitely very surprising for me because the more I learned, it all started with just uh, being around Bitcoiners and. Uh, just grabbing uh, mastering Bitcoin by Andreas, uh, I thought, well, 
since I'm working in this space, might as well be informed. And I just started with that a very innocent uh, first uh, look at Bitcoin material. And the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn, and the the more I felt like I know I I know I really don't know anything about Bitcoin. And that dove me even deeper and to forced me to find more sources of content, more information to consume, more things to learn. And yeah, I think that's the rabbit hole, right? Uh, the more you learn, the more you know, the more you notice you don't really know anything. So the more you want to learn, it's kind of it kind of snowballs, really. It's interesting. Would you say that since you're a software engineer, computer scientist, that your interest was more slanted towards the tech side of things versus the economic side of things? Yeah, absolutely. So I started with mastering Bitcoin, right? Because I thought initially, well, this Bitcoin thing is clearly like a technical challenge, right? It's just another technology that I will have to learn. Same thing as, well, now there's AWS. Let me learn about all the things AWS, all the things cloud, all the things, you know, serverless. It's just another technology. That that was what I thought in the beginning. So I just have to learn the, the ins and outs of this technology, right? So it was just another thing, just another, you know, technology that I was adopting. And uh, the more I learned about it, the more I realized that obviously the technological uh, prowess that is Bitcoin is obviously not to be downplayed. What is very, very interesting is all the other aspects, you know, the, the aspects that give Bitcoin itself sovereignty and uh, make it uh, freedom money, really. Um, that's what really, you know, got me really hooked. And uh, it, it went from being just another thing I do for work to being, you know, one of the thing I dedicate the most hours uh, in my day too. And uh, I really, in just the span of uh, not even two years, I don't see myself doing anything other than being in the Bitcoin space for the foreseeable future. Obviously being, uh, to answer your question, obviously being a technical person that uh, has made me more inclined to learn the technical in and outs of Bitcoin. I got sucked down to the whole other aspect of Bitcoin just as anyone else, I guess. Understood. Kind of along those same lines, what do you see uh, the most powerful, you know, maybe quality or use case for uh, Bitcoin currently? Well, there's, it really depends uh, on who you're asking, right? If you ask someone living in Venezuela or Argentina, your answer will be, well, this is money that can't be hyperinflated. It's not under control uh, by the government. I can actually leave my country with this uh, form of money and I won't get uh, you know, uh, stopped by anyone. Um, if you ask someone that's living in a Western country, you know, such as the US or, or even Portugal, um, Bitcoin is really money that as permissionless, I think uh, that's one thing that makes it very uh, useful still for for things like payments. Even though you know Bitcoin was not really meant to do payments with things like the Lightning Network, for example, uh, we can easily do payments on top of Bitcoin. And even though that's not its primary use case for now, it's still very very useful uh, if you want to buy things that the government thinks you shouldn't buy, or even even if it's completely legal. Uh, if the banks don't think they should accept your business, if the credit card companies this, uh, think it's a bad look, if they're processing uh, whatever CBD, weed, uh, pornography, if they think that's not, they don't want to have those kinds of businesses because it looks, it looks, it has a bad look for them. With Bitcoin, 
there's no one to say you can't uh, transact for any kind of business or any kind of use case, right? So I, I think in my perspective, I really like it obviously as a savings technology. And that's, I think that's its primary use case for now, but I also obviously working at OpenNode also gives me a, a different perspective, but I also think it's, it's a powerful technology that allows for permissionless payments. And I think that's also very, very interesting. And uh, yeah, the work we've been doing at OpenNode really focused on that particular aspect of it. So I might be a little bit biased, but um, yeah, just the savings uh, and the payments for me as a Westerner, uh, it, it, those are really the two aspects that I uh, dedicate myself to uh, at the moment. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. I just wanted to ask, what is your just general feeling on the Lightning Network? And we can kind of drill into that a little bit later. Well, I think the Lightning Network really is a tool that is bringing payments back to Bitcoin, right? Because uh, everyone knows what happens to the fees and uh, eventually the, the fee market will be, you know, there there will be such demand for block space that the fees have to go up and it will be very impractical to use Bitcoin for all transactions that are uh, for, you know, your everyday coffee. So I think uh, having technology that allows you to bring the payments back to Bitcoin and also not only that, but also bring new kinds of payments onto uh, using Bitcoin, like micropayments, uh, like the streaming of payments, um, HODL invoices. So I think uh, it, it brings the fun uh, back to doing Bitcoin payments and coming up with new uh, business models and new ways of uh, doing payments that uh, weren't possible before. I think that's that's very very interesting. And uh, the more we uh, the more time we invest in it, the more the more we think. Uh, it's the future. And by we, we, I mean the OpenNode team, but obviously me personally, I think this is a, a technology that will uh, that will take uh, what is now a savings technology and will make it the money of everyone and will make it not only you can put your life savings in it, but you can also transact in it. There's no reason you have to transact with fiat if you have Bitcoin and if you have the Lightning Network. Got it. I definitely want to jump into uh, OpenNode here. But before we do that, I wanted to ask, I was reading that you had done a uh, project concurrent or previous to OpenNode, the Lightning Spin project. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, Lightning Spin was actually a project that I developed uh, while I was uh, was already working at OpenNode. I just did it, you know, as a site project, nights and weekends kind of thing. Uh, so Lightning Spin was really my way of learning, uh, throwing myself into the weeds of actual do, actually doing uh, Lightning payments, right? So that uh, has made me, okay, so I, I want to do my own thing on Lightning to really understand the ins and outs of this technology. So um, I just had the idea of doing uh, the simplify roulette to try to be a fun thing that allow people to do uh, instant payments, uh, micro payments, and uh, getting their money back. So withdrawing their money instantly, paying per spin. Um, and that was just the means to an end uh, for me to learn, okay, I have to set up my own node for this. How do I do that? Okay, I have to hook my web server, my backend into my own node. How do I do that? And it was just a way to really force me into learning all these things. But I guess, you know, 
being a kind of a perfectionist person, I, I actually wanted to look polished and uh, I actually launched it and wanted to see what people had to say about it. And it actually caught on a little bit because I guess people like spending sets and having ways of uh, multiplying their stack, I guess. But eventually it got too big for, for my taste and I ended up selling it. And it's still running and it's still a very successful uh, project that I'm uh, happy to have uh, helped build. But uh, yeah, that's the background on, on Lightning Spin. Yeah, I when I first got into Lightning, Lightning Spin was one of the first things that I used and kind of lost a, not a good amount of sats, but a fair amount, you know, just playing around with that. Yeah, I've heard that from, from a lot of people. That actually makes me very happy that um, Lightning Spin was the fir- their first Lightning transaction. I've heard that from dozens of people. And um, a lot of people uh, in the Lightning community told me that, hey, anytime I need to test if my node is up and running and I, if I can make a payment, I just use a quick uh, spin on Lightning Spin to to check that. So that's that's really, really, it makes me uh, very, very happy to have uh, made that happen. Agreed. Would you say that gambling is one of the major use cases for Lightning right now? I wouldn't say it's a major use case for, for Lightning or even Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, but it's just something that, again, it's something that is uh, has a bad look on on the society and the, the I guess it's just a human condition that you like to gamble and you like the human the, the human race likes to take risks they like to 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 seize opportunities and if there is money to be made and they think they can make it because they're they're on the lucky day or whatever um, they will take that that chance. Um, and traditionally with traditional payment methods, there's, there's no really, there's no, no way of doing that. Uh, and if the lightning network makes that possible and it makes, uh, it possible, not only, you know, technically possible, but it also allows for, you know, you can pay for spin. So you can do a five cent, uh, spin on lightning spin, uh, and withdraw the, if you win two times your money, you can withdraw instantly the 10 cents back to your account. So I guess. It makes it technically possible, and if it's technically possible, and because humans like to gamble, someone will end up making a product uh, that uh, makes makes that possible. But uh, I wouldn't say it's uh, a major use case. Fortunately, with the Lightning Network, there's a lot of privacy, uh, so you don't really know what's going on. There's no chain analysis. There's no you know addresses to track or transactions to track. So. No one really knows what the major use case for Lightning uh, is right now, but I would I would guess that it's not gambling. Got it. But uh, let's go ahead and jump into OpenNode. How did your involvement kind of start? You kind of touched on a little bit, but let's kind of go a little bit more in, in depth here. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I was um, um, working at the same uh, co-working place, then, then uh, the same co-working space that uh, one of the OpenNode co-founders as well was uh, also working uh, there, it was actually uh, it was actually he, he studied uh, computer science with me, uh, so we were uh, college mates. He they needed some help, and he knew me, and I was right there next to him at his co-working spot. Uh, and I was looking for a contract at the time for contract work, uh, and he just brought me on just to help them uh, with some front-end work at the time. Uh, and it all started from there, really, just being around Bitcoiners and. Uh, having uh, to, you know, I wanted to to do good front-end work, but I also wanted to understand the technology we're building and everything that uh, went to 
that made open node what it is right so that involved having to learn about bitcoin and uh you know from 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 the moment i said myself the goal of learning bitcoin i just dove into the bitcoin rabbit hole but it, it all started from there really it was just uh a random coincidence, I guess, uh, but I'm very glad it happened. Could you give our listeners a quick rundown of what OpenNode actually is? Yeah, for sure. So OpenNode is a Bitcoin payment processor. Um, so we help businesses accept Bitcoin payments online and in person. We have launched from day one with SegWit support, with uh, the Lightning Network support, and we are also a Bitcoin-only company. So the only things uh, we don't have any other cryptocurrencies or blockchain things or ICOs. We're just a regular old Bitcoin company. Uh, there's only Bitcoin in our checkouts. We don't accept anything else other than that. Um, so that kind of differentiates us from the rest of the uh, crypto payment uh, processors, quote unquote. Yeah, I guess that's that's what we do. We we Since we have Lightning Network support, we also focus a lot on providing not only merchants, infrastructure so we have plugins for shopify we woocommerce and a bunch of other uh e-commerce platforms we also have uh kind of a p a simplified pos system so if you have a bar or if you have a, a store an actual physical store you can just go on your open node dashboard and you have this calculator widget thing that you can just type in how much you want to charge your customer and we will generate a very quick invoice for you so you can charge uh, your customers Bitcoin without having any kind of infrastructure in place. But aside from that uh, infrastructure we have set up for for uh, merchants, we also have infrastructure that uh, we set up for developers. So we have an API that allows anyone that has an idea to build an app or something like that. You can just sign up, sign up on OpenNode and we provide you with an API that you can use to receive Bitcoin and even uh, programmatically you can send Bitcoin out so you can do programmatic uh, withdrawals and just send money out and you can build all kinds of services really with, with without having to maintain your own node or without having to know what a channel is or having to maintain liquidity in your channels. So we have, so those are our two uh, primary focuses right now. Got it. Uh... So if I asked if you guys would add Dogecoin, you're not going to add uh, Dogecoin, are you? No, we're not, <laughs> add, not. We're not going to add Dogecoin. We actually, funny story, we had uh, um, a, a while back, uh, Roger Veer actually offered us uh, $1.25 million to add Bitcoin Cash because he thought Tim Draper was a, Tim Draper is our, uh, our main investor uh, in our seed round. And he, he thought, well, if Tim Draper is willing to invest in these guys and is willing to invest in the Lightning Network, I will make a bet, you know, and I will put in uh, $1.25 million of my own money for these guys to, to start accepting Bitcoin Cash. Because he kind of wanted to prove the point that Bitcoin Cash was better than doing Lightning payments, I guess. Uh, yeah, but we turned that down and... Uh, yeah, we will turn down. We have turned down all kinds of uh, crazy offers with uh, for ICOs and all kinds of tokens. Uh, I think being Bitcoin only really gives us an edge. And recently, we're starting to see a lot more companies uh, starting to focus on or starting to drop their attention on all these these tokens because they really are a distraction and they really don't help your bottom line that much. Uh, maybe back in the day it helped because these companies were paying you millions of dollars to start accepting their tokens. But now that their money is starting to fade away, 
they don't have that much to offer. And it's just a, a very big distraction because now you have to teach your customers what all these tokens are and what is the real Bitcoin and all these kinds of things. So I guess our, we have the edge of being you know, pro-Bitcoin and having the ability to focus our attention on, on Bitcoin and adopting all the latest and greatest uh, Bitcoin technologies that helps us save block space or help us make transactions faster or whatever that is. And it also helps us in the side of user experience. So we can focus our checkout experience, for example. We can focus 100% on making sure uh, your your customers as a merchant, they will know what to do when they see their our checkout because there's only a Bitcoin. They can choose to pay on-chain or through Lightning, but that's really only the only decision they, they need to make. And really, if they don't know what Lightning is, the first thing we present to you is the on-chain address and QR code for you to make that payment. So there's really nothing uh, you, you to confuse um, the person that's trying to pay, right? So I guess that also also helps us in terms of user experience, which, which, which has been, you know, a very big thing we have going on for us, I guess. Uh, that's what we've heard from, from the community. People are happy to see that we are a Bitcoin-only pay, uh, payment processor. And we see a lot of companies now starting to start this thinking this way so like trezor released their bitcoin only firmware and there are a lot of other companies doing the same so i think we were early on this trend uh but we definitely want to stay on it forever really got it so i kind of wanted to dig in a little bit on the dev side at open node what were the challenges kind of surrounding uh the lightning network and maybe bitcoin generally well technically the challenges i guess for the lightning network was that we were very early uh so we launched may last year and the first mainnet uh lightning thing started to happen started to go live on January, March uh, last year. So we, we were like one of the first few uh, things really on Lightning. So in the beginning, the network was really, really small. There were like not even 50 Bitcoin in the network. So it was properly small and there were almost no people running their own uh, nodes and there were, you know, everyone was just using the command line and liquidity wasn't properly spread out so and there were a lot of challenges making sure that we could make payments and we could receive payments uh, without having an enormous uh, failure rate right because if the point of lightning uh, as a payment processor is to be able to accept bitcoin very very quickly if you have to go through you know five failures to route and then you just have to give up that kind of defeats the purpose so there were a lot of challenges there, but that just kind of fade, faded away with all the improvements that uh, the protocol developers did over the last year or so. And also just by the fact that the network just naturally grew and uh, people started, uh, you know, there's, there's wallets like, for example, Breeze Wallet. When you install it, the Breeze team actually sets up and starts a, a channel for you from them from them to you. So you instantly have incoming liquidity. You don't even have to think about it. So I think, you know, there was a lot of effort by all kinds of parties to, to make this easier. But I think uh, technically, obviously, there's technical challenge of, of running, you know, a startup, of, of, of having a startup that deals with Bitcoin. So there are a number of challenges there. 
which were kind of uh, already well known because there there are a lot of Bit- other Bitcoin companies a lot older than we are. But there were a lot more uh, user experience challenges. So uh, we're still uh, and every day we're we're improving. We actually released uh, a couple hours ago the new version of our checkout, which we uh, added. We added a help center right there in the checkout, which helps you understand, helps you as a, our our customer. It helps you understand what is on chain and what is this lightning thing. Uh, how I'm paying through Coinbase. I don't know anything about Bitcoin. How can I do that? So there, there's a lot of other challenges that are not technical, but are also, you know, one of our main focuses as a business. And everyone in our team is thinking about it from engineers to designers to, uh, you know, really everyone has a say on on in a different perspective on things we should do to improve our, our user experience. So also that uh, that has also been uh, very challenging for us. Understood. Something on my end is I like to be a very uh, intellectually honest and try to kind of examine any possible faults in my you know thought process and my beliefs, etc. So I like to try to examine possibly the steel man arguments against lightning. Do you have any good arguments against using the Lightning Network or any similar kind of thoughts to that? Well, not against using the Lightning Network right now. I think uh, having channels and and making sure that people understand the concept that um, you have money on your side of the channel and uh, you don't have incoming liquidity concepts like these are very hard to explain. And uh, I think uh, there's, there's been a lot of progress lately by everyone in the field um, to make that easier, but that that will will continue to be challenging, and that it's not really perfect by any means right now. And I think that's a very big argument. And also, you know, uh, the fact that you you need watchtowers to make sure that you don't you know get um, you don't no one can spend funds that should be yours. Uh, you know, things like that, those are also, you know, being solved and being fixed and they have easy solutions such as, well, just come online once a day. It's not the end of the world, but those are not still ideal situations. And the fact that you can send money directly to a peer right now, and there's also solutions to that, such as uh, LN URL and solutions uh, coming straight to the protocol level uh, soon. And I think the biggest argument that people uh, make is that while the fees on chain are so high, you know, maybe $5, $50, $100, how are you supposed to start a lightning channel that is actually a hot wallet, right? Uh, Are you going to spend $200 of which $100 is, is the fee um, to start transacting on Lightning, that doesn't make much sense. But then there are solutions for that, such as having multiple participants opening a channel at the same time and splitting splitting the cost amongst them. Those are all. Those also have some challenges. But uh, you know, there's there there are solutions for for everything that I can think of would be uh, a reason for you not to use the Lightning Network or a reason for the Lightning Network not to succeed uh, in, in the medium to long term. And, and I think as long as uh, people keep uh, their interest in Lightning and as long as there are this many people working at the protocol level and at the layer three, you know, above 
building things like OpenNode and building things like uh, Lightning Wallets and building Lightning apps. Uh, I think if the people continue developing, I think no, none of the obstacles are going to be insurmountable. For sure, there are solutions for everything. Okay, understood. Um, kind of moving on slightly here, a, a trend that's you know becoming more common in you know the you know Bitcoin and maybe the crypto space generally is KYC. I'm sure you probably saw this question coming. OpenNode added a KYC somewhat recently. Can you tell me a, a bit more about that? Yeah, so we added KYC. So right now in our platform, if you sign up as a merchant, so if you sign up as someone. Uh, someone or some company that wants to accept Bitcoin payments, we ask you who you are and what you do. Um, so how do you make your money? Because we're legally required to. Uh, and our focus as a company is to ensure our longevity, right? We don't want to go away because we're not complying with uh, the U.S. regulation or we're not complying with the law. So we want to make sure that what we're building is going to, you know, pass the test of time and continue operating long into the future and we can continue contributing um, to the bitcoin space and continue bringing on more and more merchants into the bitcoin economy so to 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 do that we had to comply with the law right i think it's very straightforward but uh yeah we don't kyc our our the final customers so our checkout you anyone can pay and you there's no kind there's no kyc there uh, but if you sign up as a merchant, we do have to know who, who you are. And that's that's just that's just the law. Um, and obviously, we weren't asking for, for all the, this information uh, since the very beginning. But we did allow anyone that didn't you know, agree or uh, wanted to provide their their KYC information over to us um, for whatever reason, really. Uh, we allow them to just skip KYC and uh, withdraw all the money they had in our platform, if they had any, and just go on with their lives and just use uh, an alternative solution uh, that doesn't require that. Because we don't really, we don't want to, you know, take anyone's money. Uh, we just want to make sure that we're compliant uh, with the law, and we continue operating our business uh, within the legal setting, which is what we have to do, right? Yeah. So you kind of mentioned that you guys don't KYC the, uh, the end client there. I believe that BitPay started doing something similar to that. Would you say that OpenNode has a big advantage or some advantage over BitPay? Well, yeah, we have, I think, I, I do believe that there is a lot of advantages advantage, advantages of using OpenNode uh, versus using uh, BitPay. Uh, we don't KYC our, our the end customers, so that's a big plus because there's a lot less friction, and which means that chances are uh, of a person actually paying the end invoice, uh, the chances are much higher because they don't have to fill in a bunch of stuff. They really just have to pay the, the Bitcoin invoice or the Lightning invoice. So that's a big advantage, a big, a big advantage. but there's also the advantage that... Uh, People can use actually the Lightning Network with us, which isn't the case with with uh, BitPay. They can use, you know, SegWit. There's a bunch of things that people can use uh, OpenNode for that wouldn't be possible with with BitPay. And uh, one of those things is just using the API I previously mentioned. You have full and total control of your OpenNode account, uh, including the Lightning Network. So you can start building apps that use micropayments and to send micropayments out. Um, so that's 
an example of a thing you couldn't do with BitPay. But I think, yeah, just adopting a company or start use if you're thinking about starting to accept Bitcoin payments in your company, choosing a Bitcoin only company that has adopted every uh, Bitcoin technology that helped them uh, being pro Bitcoin and adopting the technology that is available to save block space or to make transactions faster, for example. And that has no shit coins in the, the platform. So there's no Bitcoin cash. There's no, you know, all other shit coins that, that makes, you know, for me, that would be a compelling argument. It's just a simplified uh, experience. Uh, I think I do think our, our user experience is better than anyone else's really in, in the payment processing uh, field, just because. We do invest a lot in, in our in our user experience, but also because we have the advantage uh, the advantage of not having to worry about you know how are we going to make the user select among amongst you know thirty coins or how are we going to explain which coin they should use. So just the fact that we're Bitcoin only gives us a lot of advantage, and obviously having a better user experience will translate in people paying more often, and and that's just statistical, right? Because even if you think that's you know a myth obviously all these companies doing payment processing they invest a lot of time in maximizing the amount of people that complete checkout successfully which means that they see your checkout and they see your invoice and they actually pay it and go through with whatever they were going to purchase right so i think adopting a payment processor that has this focus on on improving user experience in the Bitcoin space uh, would definitely be something I would consider if I were to be in that position. Got it. So being a part of a payment processor, I was curious about your opinion of BTC Pay Server. Yeah, we're, we're, we're all, everyone in our team are fans of BTC Pay Server. I think it's it gives you so much optionality, right? Because now you don't have to trust BitPay, you don't have to trust uh, OpenNode, you don't really have to trust anyone. If you don't want to use any of those options, you can simply uh, host your own BTC Pay server instance in your own node, and there's no one you need to answer to. And that's 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 great, really. Uh, and we're all fans of uh, the mission of that company or, or of that project, really. But um, yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. I think the, the, the use case for it it might be the same as open nodes if you think about it very in a very narrow mindset because both things or both projects allow you to accept payments but they're really very very different in the sense that obviously open node is a compliance solution it is integrated with a lot of banking partners which allow us to you know trade your funds instantly trade your bitcoin for fiat instantly and we're going to introduce a feature that allows you to just trade a, a portion of your of your Bitcoin into fiat, and or or you can set uh, what your preferences preferences are in terms of converting to fiat. So obviously both platforms are are very different in in the legal sense, and in the you know the sense that for a merchant that is worried about uh, having a reliable payment processor that is completely hands-off and that has an engineering team backing it up and making sure it's up and running. It's very different from uh, you hosting your own node and installing BTC Pay Server and being on the hook for updates, for maintaining liquidity in your channel and, and maintaining the server up and running because anyone that has worked 
in any startup, in any tech startup knows that servers are not, you know, a thing that you set and forget. Servers are things that will go down and will, you know, have random hardware failures when you least expect it. And it, it will, it would take, you know, it takes a full engineering team to make sure your server is up and running. So if you can't afford that your payment processor goes down, you really are, I think you should be looking at a hosted solution such as OpenNode. But if you're not worried about any of that and if having you know, some downtime is completely acceptable for you and if you prioritize being completely self-sovereign and uh, not having to rely on any uh, payment processor to accept payments, then you can, you most definitely should use uh, BTC Pay Server. Uh, even before BTC Pay Server, you didn't need really a third party to accept payments. You could just simply have a Bitcoin wallet and just generate addresses for every um, for every transaction that you wanted to accept. But BTC Pay Server just packages that all up in a very nice you know dashboard and has uh, plugins for a lot of uh, e-commerce platforms. So I guess that using BTC Pay Server would be a way to bring Bitcoin into all these platforms and to, uh, it gives Bitcoin payments a lot a lot nicer payment experience. But I think the use cases are, are quite different than the target demographic for for uh, BTC Pay Server and OpenNode. They're, they're quite different, at least, at least that's, uh, I think so, yeah. Okay, got it. Uh, I think we're going, going to go ahead and move beyond OpenNode now here. So you have a, a different project going right now, I believe. I'm, I don't know how to say it out loud. So L apps or LAPS, um, Lightning yeah, apps. I usually just say LAPS, but uh, yeah, LAPS is, is just short for Lightning apps. Yeah, got it. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, so um, yeah, labs.co, uh, that's the uh, the URL for it. That's just another side project of mine uh, that I developed to help showcase different lightning apps uh, that uh, people are developing. And it's really just a uh, very simple uh, showcase uh, of lightning apps. So every Monday, uh, a new set of lightning apps is showcased uh, and people can vote on them, people can comment uh, on their favorite apps, uh, they just have to be logged in with Twitter. Or I today I introduced a login with your own Lightning node. So if you're running your own non-custodial wallet, uh, you can simply log in with uh, your using your your node, uh, your Lightning wallet to to sign up, and you can log in without having to connect your Twitter account. And you can vote on all the apps, and you can comment on all the apps. Uh, and really the focus of the project is to, to make sure that everyone developing things on top of Lightning right now has a way of uh, making their, their app known and making sure that people are, are testing and uh, using their apps because there's a lot of, so as I mentioned before, the fact that Lightning allows for instant payments and for micro payments and for things such as streaming of payments, um, there's a lot of different use cases that... Uh, are going to people are going to come up with and i think having a a way of uh, making sure that those those new business models are are uh, showcased uh, is really uh it, it was my goal with with the the laps.co platform uh, in the future i want to introduce you know different sections so i want to have a section if you want to look for lightning wallets there's a list of all the lightning wallets and you can simply filter by okay i want a lightning wallet that's non-custodial that runs on android and also you know is um 
it, it allows it, it has incoming liquidity and set up for me and uh, you can really narrow down exactly the kinds of things you're looking for and I want to introduce a section just for stores that accept lightning but right now the focus of the platform is to showcase really uh lightning applications got it i just wanted to give a quick disclaimer to our listeners i am a sponsor of a laps or the lightning apps uh project just wanted to put that out there what would you say is your favorite uh, app that, you, that you've seen on the platform or maybe even outside the platform yeah so uh, uh... In the platform, there's a lot of uh, lightning apps that were submitted, but but weren't published yet. So uh, unfortunately, Labs.co is in the full complete set of all the things developed on lightning, but hopefully someday it will be. But I, I don't know. There's there's really a lot of interesting um, things being built on top of lightning and uh, just running Labs and uh, Labs.co and just uh, going there and seeing what the the featured lap of the week, uh, the featured laps of the week are, it has exposed me to a lot of applications and some of them even being on Twitter and being you know in all these uh, Telegram groups and Slack groups, uh, trying to to uh, find out what what everyone's been working on. Even then, I I I didn't have the chance of trying all trying out all all of the applications that were submitted. So. I don't know, but there's a lot of different concepts uh, on Lightning. I really like this Lightning wallet that you can, that is really just a Telegram bot. So it's obviously, it's a custodial wallet, that, but it's disguised as a, a Telegram uh, bot. And it, it has all the functionality that you would expect out of a Lightning wallet. Um, but uh, so you can send payments and you can uh, receive payments. And it has this really cool feature, um, which is Sats. It's called inside the application. It, it's called so the application. It's called LNTX Bot. So if you want to search for that, and uh, it, you just have to add it on on your Telegram. But it has this really cool feature, which is called Sats for Ads. So you, if you want to advertise a product, you can just pay Satoshi's, and it will broadcast the message. So as a as an LNTX Bot user. You can say that I will accept uh, anyone to advertise to me as long as they pay me one Satoshi per character. So anyone that's willing to advertise to you for one Satoshi per character can easily do that. And you can make money, actually, uh, by just receiving these messages about, you know, about all sorts of things, really. But there's it's a really easy way to stack, stack sets by just having this... Uh, uh, telegram bot installed on your uh, on your telegram uh, but there's a lot of other apps this application that allows you to receive money for liking tweets and retweeting tweets so there there's a lot of people focusing on the earning aspect of the lightning network there's the paid app so pay.co which is just an application that you can do tasks and uh receive satoshis for it but there 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 are a lot of things there's lightning pizza which allows you to buy domino's pizza uh with lightning payments and you even get a discount so it's really a a fantastic application there there's a lot of things but i'm really excited to see uh obviously what people will continue building uh but especially when it comes to business models that weren't possible with traditional payment systems so business models that uh, rely on micropayments or rely on the streaming of payments. And I think that will open the door for 
uh, so many interesting use cases. And I think, for example, the, the example I mentioned before, sets for ads, uh, you're receiving, you know, three cents, five cents uh, for someone that wants to broadcast a message. They're paying you directly, you know, five cents. That that would never be possible in the in the traditional, you know, uh, payment uh, methods, right? You couldn't, you could never withdraw five cents uh, to your bank account, or no one could use a credit card to pay you five cents, right? So, I think we're already starting to see a lot of these use cases. Um, but as as technology uh, progress, you know, as the technology evolves and as more and more Lightning wallets start to uh, allow for the streaming of payments and uh, things like LN URL, which allows you know for scanning a QR code and talking directly with the, the service you're trying to pay or receive money from. Uh, so your wallet is talking directly and negotiating directly with with that service those those kind of those kinds of things are you know take a while for people to you know develop them and then really just envision that that is possible and then develop them and then having that being adopted because obviously lightning being a decentralized no one is really in charge of um you know there's multiple lightning wallets there's multiple lightning implementations so it takes some time for people to congregate and uh, all for everyone to adopt all these technologies but as that starts to you know happen more and more we will start seeing more and more applications that use uh lightning in ways that you know we we can't even fathom right now yeah absolutely i really like uh sats for ad, uh, ads myself i i use it on both sides i make sats and i you know use it to advertise the podcast so What's your opinion on how newbies can start using the Lightning Network? Is there like an easy way to do that now, or is that still kind of needs to be built out? Well, I think there's. It depends on the level of uh, of uh, technical insight that you want to have into the Lightning Network, right? If you want to understand every single every single thing and run your own node, uh, maybe you should buy a Noddle box, and uh, those guys will ship one to you, and it will be very easy to. You know, connect your Zap wallet to 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 that and be running your own node. But it's really a bit more hands-on and requires some investment. But if you just want to try out Lightning, if you don't care much about running your own node and really understanding everything, I, I think right now one of the best uh, options is to install the Breeze wallet, which is a, a wallet that's available for for mobile, so iOS and Android. And it has really nice user experience, and it, it, they, the team actually, when you boot up uh, Breeze for the first time, they will set up a channel from them from them to you, so you instantly have incoming liquidity, and the wallet is Lightning only, so there's no confusion about which funds do I have on chain or which funds do I have off chain. So it's a really nice, simplified user experience that you can just put, you know. 50,000 sats, 100,000 sats, you know, whatever amount of money you're comfortable with. And you send some Bitcoin there and you just go to laps.co and you find out which, you know, okay, this lap, this lap looks interesting. Let me try this out. And you can instantly interact with the lap using Breeze Wallet and you can try it out. And if with, with something like, you know, the, the app that allows you to, to get money, by uh, liking tweets, for example, you can like like a tweet, get some balance in your account, instantly withdraw it to your Breeze wallet. So you can tr- you can really start playing with all these use cases and uh, start interacting with 
with permissionless instant micropayments uh, things, uh, which is going to, you know, and and hopefully the Breeze team will continue improving their, their wallet, but they're really a bunch of wallets right now. And if you want to jump to, okay, I, I think I'm done with, uh, using a mobile wallet and I really want to upgrade to running my own node, then you should be looking at things like uh, maybe the Casa node or Nautil box. But I think the easiest way right now would be to to run the Breeze wallet. Got it. So like along the same lines, something that's a bit of a uh, theme on my podcast is the idea of skipping over the base chain of Bitcoin and introducing newbies directly to Lightning as a way to kind of give them a quote unquote perfect UX experience. Do you have any kind of opinion about that? Yeah, I think what what a lot of teams are doing uh, by skipping on-chain is actually one of the best ways to go if you want to simplify the user experience. Because if we start looking at five to 10 years down the line, no one is really going to expect the end user to understand the intricacies of on-chain versus off-chain versus money you have on the specific channel, but now you spent it and you have incoming liquidity. So it's really, it everything will have to be simplified in order to for adoption to happen, right? And even if right now people that are using the Lightning Network are most likely, you know, Bitcoiners that, you know, wouldn't mind having to learn a, a couple things to use the Lightning Network. But if, if we really want this to be widely adopted, uh, as a means of doing payments online, I think that's the best way to go. If you just find a way of simplifying everything to just a single number, and that's the amount of Satoshis that you have available uh, in your wallet right now, and you don't have to think about, you know, will I be able to pay this service because I don't have a route to them? Or uh, is this is this invoice on chain? I don't know. Uh, what is an on-chain address? And if the wallet can manage can manage all of that for you that's really that's really the way to go obviously there are a number of challenges to make that happen and i think a lot of the teams working to overcome all those obstacles are you know are doing a, a, a magnificent job at that but there's also but there there will there are still a lot, a lot of challenges that i'm sure that everyone will work together to to overcome but uh it will be challenging, but I think, in my opinion, is is the way to go. And uh, I, I applaud everyone that uh, has been tackling that add-on because really it would be a lot easier to, you know, just simplify it for you as a developer. Okay, I will just have an on-chain wallet, and I will have a Lightning wallet, and I don't I don't want to establish incoming channels or channels to my users. You know, it would be a lot easier, but uh, it would be make it make the experience a lot worse for for the end users. So, every company that has been focusing on the user experience side of it, you know, that's a lot of extra work. But I think it's well worth it in the end for sure. Understood. On the third episode of the Lightning Junkies podcast, I had John Carvalho from BitRefill, and we had kind of talked about having the uh, closed loop or circular economy. Do you have any kind of opinion about how we get there, you know, how we kind of close those loops and how we can kind of uh, get more people to, you know, get Bitcoin and stay in Bitcoin and having that kind of me- uh, that uh, Morpheus meme of at the end, you'll never sell, you'll just kind of keep it and just keep it going around? Yeah, I think that that's the goal for everyone if if i could 
never sell all the sets all the sets that would be that would be ideal right but i i think it will be challenging to reach the point that we have a full circular uh, bitcoin economy i think a lot of factors will have to play out for that to happen but i think a good way for you personally uh for anyone personally to uh, start have a, a big incentive to do that is just to earn bitcoin because earning bitcoin will make you much more incentivized to actually uh, spend bitcoin uh, because really you could just sell it on some exchange but then you have to send the bitcoin to an exchange and then you have to send from the exchange back to your bank account so it would be a lot easier for you as someone that earns bitcoin to just spend the bitcoin at some merchant that accepts bitcoin or a bid refill or at some other service that accepts bitcoin so i think that would be a very good first step you know if you earn bitcoin you you are much more incentivized to actually use it in your day-to-day so you don't have to go through the trouble of selling it and uh, losing value because then bitcoin is going up and you sold all of it because you know you had to sell more than you wanted to spend just so you're not constantly selling uh, and waiting for bank wires that can take a few days uh, in some countries. Um, so I think that would be a good first step. And then, you know, thinking longer term, uh, if we see Bitcoin's value appreciate over time, and if, if more and more currencies hyperinflate, which is, you know, no currency survived the test of time. So far, no fiat currency did. So if more and more uh, currencies hyperinflate and more and more people buy Bitcoin as an alternative to their government money then i think you know it will it will be much easier because then uh, you know if people lose lose trust in their fiat money then they will be also incentivized to uh, push people to pay them in bitcoin and they will be incentivized to pay other others in bitcoin uh, because they lost trust in the uh, fiat but i think that's a much longer term vision and it will obviously take a lot of uh, boom and bust cycles and it will take you know maybe world changing things to happen. So maybe it's a a little bit more of an unreasonable uh, thing. Yeah, I think personally, anyone can strive to, you know, just work for Bitcoin, uh, even if it's not their main thing, you know, just do some uh, work on a side uh, and ask for Bitcoin or even sell things for Bitcoin. You can sell all kinds of things, really. Bitcoiners are you know, always on the lookout for new merch and uh, for new hats and stickers and things like that. Um, so there's plenty of opportunities, I think, to earn, you know, even if it's just small amounts of Bitcoin to earn some Bitcoin, which will incentivize you to then spend that Bitcoin. So I think that's a good way of bootstrapping it. Uh, but I don't think I have a good solution to bring the full uh, hyper Bitcoinized world to us uh, much quicker. All right. That makes a lot of sense. Kind of one of my last questions here is, is there anything on a tech level that you're looking forward to on the Lightning Network side? Yeah, there, there, there are a lot of things on the works right now. And I think one, of, one, one cool thing that uh, should be coming to the Lightning Protocol soon are, are just ways of sending Bitcoin directly uh, to another uh, Lightning node without having to have uh, an invoice. So right now, if you want to send uh, a payment through the Lightning Network, you need to ask the recipient of the payment to send you a Lightning invoice for a specific amount and the Lightning invoices expire. So it's not the ideal solution for some use cases. So I think having that, which is kind of a simple thing that you could always 
uh, have done with uh, on-chain Bitcoin, right? So just give someone an address and they can send Bitcoin to that address uh, at any time, any amount of Bitcoin really. But on the Lightning Network, we do need the invoices and which has a lot of advantages, for example, because there's no way of you sending the wrong amount of Bitcoin. So it's kind of a trade-off thing, but just having that option to just send spontaneous payments to to any lightning node will open up some some extra possibilities then the streaming of payments uh will also bring you know which is something that uh no one i think is doing right now uh but i think having support for that at both the protocol and the wallets uh level will be very very interesting and then just things like l2 which will remove a lot of the complexity there that there is in the the in the lightning protocol right now we'll get rid of things like the watchtowers or having to come online very frequently so i think that's a a good thing to be on the lookout for unfortunately it does require a change at the base layer so it will probably take some time for that to to get uh implemented and merged and uh, then L2 to actually be, be fully built out and adopted. Uh, but I think that's uh, on a more medium term, that's a, a thing a thing that you should, everyone should that uh, likes Lightning should be excited for. But on a shorter term, I would say spontaneous payments for sure. And then uh, also ways of doing uh, streaming of payments. Uh, that is very, very interesting. Yeah, the streaming of payments is uh, when uh, Andreas had that in one of his videos in 2016. That's one of the things that really kind of got me into the idea of Lightning initially. So recently there was a uh, exploit in all of the implementations of Lightning. Do you think that was a big deal? And do you think it was kind of handled well by the overall ecosystem? I think it was uh, it was very well handled. Uh, I don't think there there are any uh, um, people out there that, that lost you know largest amount of Bitcoin uh, or any amount of Bitcoin really uh, to that bug. Obviously, it was a very serious bug. Uh, not trying to downplay the to downplay the, the seriousness of that bug, um, but I think it was definitely well handled by by everyone. And I think uh, the work that uh, everyone in developing the lightning protocol is done since the very beginning with having strict limits in place and advocating for for not having you know serious amounts um, amounts of money in the lightning network really you know was a way of telling people please be careful you know this is not you know final and this is not you know battle tested yet uh so don't put serious amount of amounts of money in it uh, and some people did still put crazy amounts of money in it but uh yeah i think i think the protocol developers were very you know specific about about that particular thing so i don't think uh, no one is to blame and i think it was it was definitely very well handled by having you know people warned about the bugs and ha- have everyone update, update and upgrade uh, their lightning nodes and their lightning wallets before actually releasing the bug, and then actually you know doing you know the responsible that responsible disclosure and explaining exactly how and why uh, different uh, lightning implementations were affected by the bug, and actually giving a lot of detail uh, about what the bug uh, really was. So I think yeah. It was definitely well handled 
by everyone involved. That's uh, good to hear. So last question, I promise. I'm going to Berlin in a couple of weeks to the Lightning Network conference, and I noticed that you're going as well. Is there anything there that you're looking forward to and anything that you're excited about? Yeah, so I'm excited just for the for the conference uh, in and of itself, right? It's very, very exciting uh, to have a, a whole conference dedicated to uh, just the Lightning Network. And I was fortunate enough to have attended a few uh, Bitcoin-focused conferences, and that has been a lot of fun, you know, just hanging out with all these Bitcoiners and having, you know, in the Bitcoin conferences, in the Bitcoin conference, you can always start a conversation with anyone and have a subject about, you know, to talk about with them. But uh, on a even more niche uh, conference, just about Lightning and about all things Lightning, I think just the conference itself will be very, very interesting. Um, and just getting to know all the people working in the space, uh, some of them that I haven't met yet, well, I'm very excited to to meet. Uh, and I think there, there are a lot of events happening in the days uh, prior to the conference. I'm not exactly sure on the details. I, I'm sure that um, if you follow the, the Lightning Conference Twitter account or if you go to the Lightning Conference uh, website, you can find more details about it. But the community has been uh, arranging all these meetups and events in the days before and maybe after the conference. Uh, so there's kind of, uh, even though the conference is just, I guess, I think uh, two days, there's a whole week of things going on in Berlin about all things lightning. So it's kind of, it's turning into this lightning week thing, which is, is going to be very exciting. I know that there's a meetup, I think the day before the conference starts, that's just a round table discussion with people building things on top of lightning and going to some stage, I guess, to present their projects. And there's a, a great lineup of speakers, just handy hackers and people just developing things on the side, just going on stage and showing off their creations and asking for feedback. So I think that will be, you know, very, very interesting. But then just the conference itself and it has an, an amazing lineup of speakers that I'm I'm really excited to I'm really excited to attend the conference itself also. Yeah, that little uh, the little side event, you know, speech thing that you mentioned. I'm actually going to be giving a little uh, talk about the Lightning Junkies podcast. And I'm uh, terribly uh, nervous because I'm not really a public speaker. So we'll have to see how that goes. But other than that, um, I'm kind of out of questions at the moment. Do you want to go ahead and give all the listeners, all, you know, all the details about OpenNode, your the Labs project, or the Twitter and all that? Yeah, for sure. So uh, if you're a business and if you're looking to accept Bitcoin payments, uh, head over to OpenNode.com. Uh, you can find all the information about us uh, there. And if you just want to, you know, you're not interested in accepting payments, but you still want to follow our journey, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, OpenNodeCO. And if you're just a Lightning Network Explorer and uh, you want to try out some new Lightning apps uh, you, to visit this showcase of Lightning apps that I have online, you you can head over to labs.co. That's L-A-P-P-S dot C-O. Or you can follow the Twitter account, which also showcases all the, the lightning apps that go up on the website at LapsLN. So yeah, that's how to um, to find out about new lightning apps. And also accept Bitcoin payments if you if you want that also. How about if they want to find you? Yeah, if you want to reach out to me, uh, I'm on Twitter at 8BitGomez. So 8, the number 8, bit, B-I-T, Gomez, G-O-M-E-S. Uh, my DMs are open. You can reach out to me for 
uh, anything really. Uh, and if you're working on any lightning app and you want some feedback or you want to go up on the uh, labs uh, showcase, just hit me up and uh, I'm always down to try out uh, any new lightning apps. All right, perfect. Well, Rui, I really appreciate you joining me on the Lightning Junkies podcast. Thank you. That was the fifth episode of the Lightning Junkies podcast. What did you think? Did you learn anything? Like I said at the beginning, that was the longest episode of the podcast I've ever recorded. If you did learn anything or take anything away from this podcast, please consider chipping in to the crowdfunding link, the tipping.me or the bottle.li. You can also support the podcast by subscribing and leaving a review. It would help me tremendously. As mentioned on previous podcasts, I'll be attending the Lightning Network Conference in Berlin. Great shows are coming down the pipeline. Stay tuned for those. For now, I'll see you on the Lightning Network. <laughs>